Hello and welcome back to Appleosophy Weekly, your favorite tech podcast where we unwrap the tech of today. And today we're doing that with a really special guest, Mr. Aaron Zolo from Zolo Tech. How you doing, Aaron? Great. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm I got a little pep in my step today. <laughs> I think it's because I woke up earlier. Full glass of lime water, doing good. Before we get into the tech news, a huge request that I got from people when they heard that you were going to be on the show is they said, can you get him to do the, hi, it's Aaron here from Zolotech. Hi, everyone. Aaron here for Zolotech, and we're here today on the Appleosophy Weekly Podcast. Isn't that awesome, guys? He's, he's like the golden voice of tech. I love it. Now, I want to talk about YouTube a little bit. Now, I want to ask you, what got you started in YouTube? What motivated you to start a YouTube channel in the first place? Is it just your affinity for Apple or tech in general? So this goes back to 2008, really. So that's back when um, I didn't have an iPhone. I was watching YouTube a little bit. And then I eventually got an iPhone and started watching case reviews and things like that. And there's a guy, unfortunately, he's not around anymore, but his name's Carlos. It's me, Morpheus. And if mm -hmm. you've ever seen him, he was kind of the first person I watched do that. And I thought, I could do that. And maybe I could get some free stuff. And I worked, <laughs> I've, I was working in network operations and things like that for years. And it just became something that I did as a hobby. And as it started to grow and then kind of just became something that got more and more views, it turned into something that I went full time on as it interfered with work. <laughs> and then I, I went full time. And yeah, it's once that becomes a problem for your work, they you'd make that choice and decide to go full time is really what happened. So I said, okay, well, I'll do this. And then I'm all in. So I kind of just went down the same thing with cases at first and thought, well, let me try this. But just kind of found what I, I went after what I liked and it's kept doing what I liked. So it stuck. That's such a cool story. It really just starts with passion. Right. And one of the things that motivated me to start my podcast and really go full force is I heard a quote from Steve Jobs shortly before I started this. And he said, look around you, the people who are living your dream, the people that are doing what you want to do, everything around you was built by people no smarter than you are at this time. So there's no reason why you shouldn't go for it. The talk, the clock is ticking. The powerful play of life is going to go on. There's no time like today. Yeah, that quote in particular influenced me too. I thought, wait a minute. That's you, interesting. You guys all did the same thing. Mm -hmm. I can do that too. And maybe I can do it better. That's kind of where I was going with that. So. That's awesome. I love that. I love when people come on the show and they actually have passion for what they do. It's not just going mm -hmm. through the motions. And even for you, you said it's become much like a job, a full-time job. I mean, you're up to mm -hmm. uploading videos every day of the week, pretty much. Yeah. Three yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday in particular. Was, I, I noticed busy. you pulled a couple uh, all-nighters the week of WDC too. Uh, just WDC. about. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't <laughs> sleep a whole lot there. Yep. I'm I'm watching your videos and I'm like, I'm curious. I'm looking up at the time on your iPad. And it says 1.02 a.m. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes a long time. That's that, Those 30-minute videos are six, eight-hour jobs. There Maybe more. Depends. They should do, you know how they do the Marvel videos where they unwrap all the little details? Yes. <laughs> I'm going <gonna, Yep. laughs> 
<laughs> I'm going to start doing Zolotech videos. That, let's zero in on how late he actually stayed up. Oh, 1.03 a.m. <laughs> yeah, zoom yeah. in on the time, you can tell. <laughs> well, so some of that helps where I've worked second shift forever, and mm -hmm. or I used to. And so I would come home afterward and then record the video. So to stay up, that was kind of everyone's in bed, my wife's in mm -hmm. bed, kids, and I can just record and it's quiet. I would feel house. like I had to whisper. Yeah, well, let me, yeah, no, it was a separate room that was pretty closed off, but that was a while Did ago. Did you soundproof it like how you have now yet? No, back then it was just a camera, a uh, Canon power shot point and shoot. <laughs> it just said, let's try this. So do you still film most of your videos with an iPhone? No, no, you were I, no, I did. I, well, so yes and no. So if I'm outside, yes. If not, then uh, I'm generally using this. So it's an FX3 or I'm using Sony stuff. I've gone from Panasonic to Sony to Canon back okay. to Sony, things like that. So now I want to ask you a question here. What is your favorite Apple product of all time? So what comes to mind immediately is the iPhone 4S. I think that was my the first one where I it went from a plastic product to a premium product. Mm -hmm. Went to a stainless steel frame and glass, and it was just it was on a different level, I think, than a 3GS that I had before that. So it was just much nicer. I agree. I remember when they unveiled that, they said its closest kin is a Leica camera. Oh, right. It felt, yeah. so, it felt so premium in the hand. And there was a weight to it. It, it felt like jewelry. Right. Yeah. And that's Steve Jobs, what he said anyway, I think. Right. That it felt like jewelry. I think I coined that. I, I thought oh, well, I, maybe you oh, did. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I heard him say that, but maybe we'll not. never know. know. We got to go back and watch yeah. the keynotes. <laughs> right. It might be a Stephen Note marathon today. <laughs> now, what do you think about just because you brought it up, I want to talk about it. Sure. What do you think about how the first iPhone came out? A lot of people don't know this. The first iPhone was going to launch with a plastic screen. Mm -hmm. And months before launch, Steve Jobs calls his team and says, hey, I'm pulling this thing out of my pocket and there's scratches all over the place. This thing needs to be glass. And they tell him, look, if you want to change it to glass, this is going to be a supply chain nightmare. We're launching in a few months. These things are coming off the conveyor belt like hotcakes. You need to figure out what we're going to do. Long story short, it ends up launching with a glass screen. So the very first iPhone had a glass screen, an aluminum back, very premium feel to it. And then they moved to all plastic with the 3G and 3GS. And then by the time we got the 4, 4S, so forth, it went back to those premium materials, the stainless steel and glass and uh, the aluminum with the iPhone 5. Why do you think they went cheaper on the materials with the 3G and 3GS. Maybe early on it was just a, what they could get done for the shape. I'm not sure. Or maybe they just didn't have the supply chain or I'm not sure. Maybe they were just it trying to It was a lot more affordable once they moved to the, the 3G. That was a huge yeah. thing. And it's like they were packing in more features, but it was slightly more affordable, which is interesting. Right. It was real plasticky and I mean, it worked. I was a I little mean, disappointed from the one to the 3G because it was aluminum to plastic. So some people really like it, but I, I like the metal feel. Now, obviously, there's been quite a bit of Apple news this week. I want to start off with Apple's beta software program. Now, they launched the first public beta of iOS 15 and iPadOS 15. That's now available to everybody, to the public. You can sign up on beta.apple.com. Now, the way they did this was interesting. 
typically it's beta two, three, maybe even four. And the same build number that the devs get is what the public gets for the public beta. What they did this time is they just uploaded a second version of beta two with a revised build number and then made that the quote unquote public beta. Why right. do you think they did that? Well, I wish they'd tell us, to be honest, in the notes, there's <laughs> nothing new. So, so I think probably they found some stability issues or some people were having, maybe there was something causing the phone to have issues or crash or who knows, there's so many reports that come Security in through feedback and all that. Right. And they didn't say specifically because they didn't update the notes to go with the re-release. So, but I, they, we have had re-releases in the past where they find weird bugs in them, but it's not very often. So I really thought they were just going to release it under the current beta two. And I thought it'd be today since they said July. So, yes. Yes. So they actually, that's, that's interesting takeaway. I didn't catch that, that they released it early. Yeah. A day, but yes, a day early. (laughs) They said it wasn't coming till sometime in July. That's interesting. Right. Now, the Apple beta software program is free to everybody. All you have to do mm-hmm. is log on with your Apple ID and register your device and download a profile. And you can begin testing on your iPhone, iOS 15, iPadOS on your iPad, macOS Monterey, tvOS 15, and even watchOS 8 for your Apple Watch out there. Now, do you recommend testing on the watch? <laughs> No, I normally I don't unless it's maybe you have an old one and you upgrade it or something mm-hmm. just because if anything happens, then you have to send it into Apple. You bring it to an Apple store or you have to send it in and then they can downgrade it for you. There's no way. Have you ever had to do that? To, one, I, I did once for my uncle, actually. So oh, not boy. for myself. He sent me his watch. He lives in a different state, sent me his watch. I tried to install it, update it, did whatever I could. It wouldn't work. So I had to bring it to Apple and then they fixed it. It took like three days and then they got it back. Yeah, I had to do that for the watchOS 3 beta. Okay, that's a ways ago. (laughs) I was just too excited for faster app launch, Aaron. Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah, that was back when everything was super slow. Do you remember that when you used to pull up your Apple Watch and you'd see the little pinwheel? Mm -hmm. It felt Mm -hmm. like days. (laughs) Yes, it's much, much better now. Now I want to move on to our next story here. We have a report from the ELEC. Now, this is a publication we've seen before. Now, they're they're talking about a new iPad Air that will release either, look how vague these rumors are getting, either next year or in 2023. That's a 10.86 inch, they're really clear to say that, 10.86 inch OLED iPad Air. And they said this is going to be using the typical flat, aka rigid, OLED panel. So it won't be anything that's doing any kind of fancy folding or just it'll just be the tricks you see on the screen for curved displays like the subpixel anti-aliasing where you can't see the edges and mm-hmm. things that we've seen all the way back to the, the 10R but in OLED form. It just seems like they're making the iPad, they're really keeping the iPad Air at the whole iPad almost pro kind of thing. Right. It's like the they should call it the iPad economy. <laughs> Yes, it's not uh, quite first class. It's not quite coach. <laughs> yeah, they always well. So the iPad Air four that launched late last year really isn't economy other than a couple little things, but mm-hmm. it's half the price of the Pro. So for a lot of people, that's generally what I recommend. And if they bump it to an OLED, I'm sure a lot of people will appreciate that. But there will be some that don't. But there will be <clears throat> if you've followed anything I do with what's called PWM. 
Yes. With the way Full the screen flash. Yeah. Yeah. So it controls brightness by flashing the screen fa faster or slower. And not all OLEDs do that. Technically, LG TVs don't, supposedly. So I, I have one. That's why. And it doesn't bother my eyes. So some of the phones, I noticed this from the iPhone 10. And so I stopped. I, I've been really particular about it because I couldn't use an iPhone 10 without feeling nauseous. So once we got to the iPhone 11 series, it wasn't a problem for me as they bumped the, the speed up. So if they put that in an iPad, hopefully it would be fast enough and not be a problem. But I would hope so. I yeah, like that you covered that on your the, the first time I ever heard the abbreviation PWM. I was watching one of your videos and I love how you kind of not only made that public that this was an issue that people were experiencing this because I mean, uh, just everyday journalism, I hadn't heard anything about this, that this was a problem that yeah. was making people feel nauseous or dizzy, just using an everyday consumer product. So it's good to see that they started mitigating that with the iPhone 11 and so on. Hopefully it'll all be in place when they release an OLED iPad, so to speak. Right. You switched to the iPhone 10R for quite a bit, correct? Because it was bothering you on the 10? A while ago, yeah, yeah. Now I'm just using a 12 Pro Max, but yeah, the yeah. the 10R during that sort of transition, the 10, 10S, I kind of went back and forth a lot because it, I and I could tell a difference between when I'd switch, my eyes just were strained, or I might get a headache, or uh, that problem went away later on. But yeah, it, it was definitely something you could notice. It tends to be that you can sometimes see those flickers. Now, technically, you're not supposed to be able to, but my daughter says the same thing. So there's okay. not, but my wife doesn't. So it's kind of those things. I've tested it with a ton of people and done a ton of research on it. And then there's a website notebook check that actually lists PWM now for everything. And they actually oh, test wow. it. So, so I started going off of that when I was researching it and it, it's a real thing. It's just, it's about one in 10 that have it. So when I hear OLED for an iPad, I think, okay, hopefully they've dealt with this issue because for most people it'll be fine but and it'll look great either way but the mini led display of the current ipad pro uh, there's a little bit of that going on apparently but it's so fast like i think ten thousand. so anything over 10 240 hertz was how many mm -hmm. how fast it's flashing is pretty much fine but they're in the ten thousand range i think something like that oh, so wow. you're never going to see it for most people it's not going to bother is on OLED, is smearing something that bothers you? No. Nope. No. I know people mention it all the time. That or purple yeah. fringing and things like that. I've just come to be come to the conclusion that happens. It's like, yeah, well, it's there, but it's not great, but it's there. But And, and no display <laughs> is perfect. Apple has, yeah. according to the DxO Mark, one of the best displays on the market. But you can only, it's... They're calibrated as, as best as Apple can calibrate them. There's still the, the disadvantages that come with OLED sometimes that you'll see, like smearing, like purple fringe, things like that. Not everybody sees these things, so it's hard to measure how prevalent these issues may be. Right. The green tint issue that people constantly bring up for the current iPhones, not to go down a, a whole other path, but <laughs> that's brought up a lot, and I've never seen it personally. I've seen a bunch of it you know, from family members and everything I'll check. I've never seen it personally, but I, other people have sent it to me where it's a thing. So no panel is perfect. And there's all sorts of software, the tricks they use to mitigate a lot of that. Mm -hmm. 
part of this report, it states that the larger iPad, the iPad Pro, will also be gaining a OLED display by 2023 at least. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, then what is mini LED for? Is that just a stopgap to OLED? What are your thoughts on that? Apple recently switched to mini LED with the 2021 iPad Pro that was released shortly before WWDC, for those of you that aren't familiar. I think, <clears throat> I'm not sure. That's where I, I tend, I generally tend to think of OLED then mini LED, mm -hmm. but they both have their own issues. So mini LED could have the blooming issue because you're backlighting something. Although it is there, but it's only there like the darkest of, of scenes or things like that. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that you would normally see unless ever, unless the background is black, at least on mine anyway. So I've, I had to figure out how to show that in a video once. So it's not, mm -hmm. it's not that easy to replicate for everyone. It just depends what kind of content you use, of course, but of uh, OLED has the advantage of not having the backlight. So you're never going to have that bloom, but there's the mini led can go much brighter and it's incredible for HDR. It's one of those things where I, I guess it depends what you're going for. If you're going for HDR, I'd say mini LED is better. So mm -hmm. if you're going for OLED and you want true black and all those things, they're very close, but I think it's all just kind of a stopgap until we have micro LED. Yes. Micro LED is the real paradigm shift in displays. And that's the huge takeaway right there is a lot of people aren't talking about mini LED yet because you don't see it in everyday consumer products yet. It's still really expensive to implement. And I have to tell you, a couple weeks ago, we got into a discussion in OLED versus mini LED. And I mean, we got totally into the weeds because they both have their pros and cons. <laughs> yeah, it really depends which um, what you prefer, I guess. I, mm -hmm. For me, the blooming thing doesn't really bother me. So on my iPad, I, I don't notice it, but if it, because I use, I have it on light con content or YouTube or whatever. So for that, I never really notice it, but with the OLED there's, you can see a difference, but when you watch H HDR content on that new iPad, it's incredible. So Definitely. I guess it just depends what you're, it, it really comes down to your preference. I think when, when it's that, of course, but do you, OLED's do you thinner think, too. yes. Do you think trending toward OLED? ultimately is the right decision for the iPad at this point in time? I mean, I'm sure we'll see a mini LED iPad at some point or a micro LED. If they can do point. micro, I would say, no, they'll never do it. If, cause that's where, if you've ever been to CES, they had some mm -hmm. micro LED panels and things and they're basically OLED, but not OLED. So, mm -hmm. but brighter. So they have all the advantages of both really, because they're so small, you don't really get the bloom effect. So if we can get to that in a couple of years with all the shipment and the chip shortages and all that stuff, if they can actually get there, then I think they'll just switch to it. If they can't, then maybe they will go OLED. That's why this is so, a lot of people are saying this is so un uncharacteristic of Apple to do this. They don't really focus on stopgap technologies. They will wait, they will use an outdated panel until they can find a panel that is three times as better, not just, not just a little right. bit better. And so a lot of people are confused by this move, but I, I have to say I have the mini LED iPad Pro, the M1 iPad Pro in front of me, and I'm in love with it. Like you said, watching movies, YouTube videos in HDR, it's been wonderful. Photo editing, I know I have that contrast ratio, that, that mm -hmm. true-to-life color right there on the screen. So it's been great, except 
for when I'm reading. When I'm reading at night and I'm in dark mode, the smearing is, I have to blink my eyes a couple of times because it's so prevalent. And it's oh, okay. only in that one scenario, dark mode at night, reading in iBooks. And it's just, uh, okay. it looks like someone painted the words on my screen and smeared watercolor everywhere. That's why I haven't seen it. I should check that. I don't read on my iPad <laughs> very rarely. So I'm sure I'm sure than, you read one of those, the nine to five Mac in, in dark sure mode. I'll read uh, one of those light Mac mode. Light mode. <laughs> yeah, I know. I always use light mode strange. Now I'm going to have to check. So these are some important questions related to your channel mm -hmm. and you as a person, do you use automatic or do you, I are do. you one of those people that just sticks in light or dark mode? No, I use automatic. Okay. I use so automatic. It's, Calgary, yeah, it's I, a sunset. Right. I, I don't like, I, I like sunlight, a lot of sunlight. So yes. you know, when I'm editing, I'm next to a window. Well, I'll make sure everything's right. Then I'm next to a window. And then I like to be, I don't, I'm in a box studio type thing right now. So I like to be out at least near some real light for a while. And mm -hmm. I just like things to be bright and vibrant. So that, that reflects probably somewhat in thumbnails and things I do. I like everything bright and vibrant. I but, love that because that's my style. I don't know. That's oh, okay. why I gravitated toward your content a long time ago, but I love right now. I have to shut this window right. because if it's open, it washes out the webcam. On oh, right, right. So sure. <laughs> but yeah, normally I, I'd have all these windows open, a couple fans going. I just love the, love the light, the natural light. There's no, there's no substitute for natural light. Right. Exact same exact thing. So when it's nighttime, sure. I'll switch to dark mode. It's, it seems to be easier on the eyes and I'll, I might switch to dark mode for certain parts of different videos and things. A lot of people like that more. So I, it so just depends on what I'm showing. Right. <laughs> you should get it. You should do, you should cut your studio in half, do a little piece of tape, draw a line and one dark half will be completely light. white and the other half will be completely black. <laughs> right. <laughs> could do that so when a video launches at night you can use the black side of the studio right sure like really Although, yes but then you've got the other side of the world that watches too so there it's already morning so it just won't work <laughs> a couple questions about your setup again do you sure. use your personal phone when you're doing this yes you're the demos and stuff that's why everything is blurred that takes forever but yes because i feel i want to be so Okay. For 99% of it. Yes. So if I'm showing right now, because we're running two different betas, 14.7 and 15 beta two, Yes. 14.7 is, it is my phone, but, and it's fully set up identical to the other one accounts and everything, but it's not what I use daily. Cause I can't use two at the same time. Yeah. Not a hundred percent anyway. So I'll typically the one thing, <laughs> The blue iPhone 12 Pro Max is it's my main phone in my pocket that I show in all my videos. And so I, uh, part of it is I want to be genuine when I do mm. long-term reviews. I've actually used this phone that long. So I'll do some reviews on the 12 or whatever, but I'm, I will never say that this was my main phone or I, it's, I want to be as genuine as possible with that. So if I have scratches or I don't have scratches, it's because I used it the same as all the other phones I've used since iPhone 1. And then on screen, it's a bit of a pain with all the different accounts logged in and things yes. like that. You have to be really, so if you show email, I have to show a certain email account that doesn't show any addresses. Mm -hmm. So that's, I don't know if everyone does that. I don't think they do, but. A lot of people, I, a lot of people just have like a dump phone. Right. Like an and iPhone I could do R. that, but. But why? 
I, it, would, I, it would be less genuine. Yeah. Right. So when I talk about battery life, it's my battery life. That's how I've used the same, the same sort of setup You're actually for years. driving the machine. Yeah. Right. I like so that. I, I, that's what this is. So I may switch from time to time, but when you see, if you go to the battery sections where I talk about battery in the video, it's loaded because I've used it that whole amount of time. If my battery health goes down, which is a big thing for a lot of people, it drives me nuts, but yeah, it drives me nuts in that it's a percentage and it makes a lot of people freak out. But I, I think it's gone down finally to 98% or whatever. That's just, that's normal use and wear and wear. If there's scrapes on it, there's scrapes on it. It's just kind of. That you clarify in your videos that the whole battery health thing is calibrated or checked every time right. you update the phone. Right. It's not, oh, I just wake up one morning and all of a sudden it's 90%. Right. And it's, I mean, it's, I don't know how often Apple checks it. I'm sure there's some sort of, whether that's five days, 10 days or every day in their software, I don't know. But yeah, it's checked. And I, I say that because so many people message me and say, mm -hmm. my battery health went down. Should I bring it to Apple and get it replaced? And I'm like, no, it's like, normal. No. <laughs> it's what happens until someone invents a better battery. It's just what happens. So the, yeah, that's one of the things that just drives me bonkers is and 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 you see with these lithium batteries, the smaller they get, the, the bigger this issue becomes as far as mm -hmm. quickly declining battery health. It drives me bonkers with the Apple Watch because the battery is so small. Mm -hmm. Within six months of owning this thing, I I was at ninety one. Yeah, I think it's I'm down quite a bit. I think I'd have to look, but yeah, I that's probably my biggest thing with. Apple and all of the sustainability things. I, I think if you're going to really want them to be long-term, I know you can replace them in the store, but make it easier or something so we can do it. That's one of my things where I'm all for that. If you can replace it, then great. I'm checking right now. I'm down to 96 on my, it's 96. the series six. And so, yeah, I think it's kind of one of those things where I know it's a toss up between sealing the phone for IP rating and then mm -hmm. making the battery swappable. So there's compromises there, but I definitely would like it to be easier and not glued yeah. in, for example. That now that's an important question. Are you big on the right to repair? Is that important yeah. to you? I Yes. I mean, you can't do much with system on a chip and things like that, but yes, mm -hmm. I mean, a battery seems like if you want something long-term, sure. Yeah. I think it's, you bought it, it's yours. If I want to fix it, I, sh I mean, I've always, I've been into cars for years and I've, I've fixed cars and things like that. And so, yeah, why not? I, if you need to change your brakes, why not? That sort of thing. But like you said, it's a toss up between everybody expects everything to be sealed tight, dust and water resistant these days. Right. So is, do you make it an in-store service thing or a mail off service thing? Do you create something that reseals itself so that people can just pop it open like an old cell phone, throw their own battery in? How are you going to regulate that? Yeah. Are they certified batteries? Where do you get right. them from? How do you get them? Are stores going to sell them or do you call and order that? I mean, different things we have to think. That's the whole infrastructure change. For sure. And I think as far as the batteries, Apple could fix that problem really quickly. It'd just make them cheaper, sell them cheaper and then take out the rest of the people. For a well, reasonable amount, you can get a genuine yeah. for 30 or 40 instead of a aftermarket for 20 or something, something like that, I think would be better. Versus what is it now? It used to be 50 and then they raised it again. 
I think the max is 70 or 80. 70, I'd have to yeah. look. They have a website quite, that shows It's quite them. hefty. It is, yeah. It's for now, battery, yeah. what I'm waiting for is the paradigm shift for batteries. We'll finally get like hydrogen batteries and things like that. Do you think that that's just around the corner or do you think we'll be waiting quite a, lot, quite a bit for that? So as someone who's into cars and electric cars and things like that, so I think according to Toyota, they have a a solid state battery mm-hmm. and no one's been able to do this reliably so far mass production wise if they can do that i think that will be the first shift because those can charge much faster they don't they're less volatile as far as oh. fires and things and they technically can last more cycles so i think that's probably the first thing if i mean if they're telling the truth i would imagine they are since they're a huge <laughs> company but you never know so they and that's, that's when they're switching what do those batteries look like? Can you miniaturize those at a, right. an iPhone or even an Apple Watch scale? It'll be interesting to see. But I, I like that you have that background, particularly with the auto industry, and that, that you have that level of commentary because what we're seeing with electric cars, just some of that technology, we're, we're waiting for the day that that's in our phone. That's really cool. Right. Yeah, where you have liquid cooling in a Tesla for the battery. I, mm-hmm. I don't know that you're going to see that in a phone. It's not really that necessary. <laughs> you have things Razor like tried that. Then. Didn't they? Yes. Liquid-cooled Razor phone? I'm not sure. I mean, there's some liquid-cooled processor blocks of things, but, you know, like uh, on a mm-hmm. phone, I'm not sure. I mean, the they have the uh, the vapor chamber, right? But Yeah. Yeah, a few of the Android phones do that. Quite a few of them. Now, I want to talk about the Apple Watch International Band collection. I have them pulled up okay. in front of me here. Uh, we can kind of take a look at them together if you'd like. Now, okay. Apple says, quote, to celebrate the indescribable drive and competitive spirit of all athletes and fans, end quote. Mm-hmm. So the way I see it, the reason why I had to pick one of these up is because there's a United States version. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the nylon sport loop. Comes just in time, not just for the Olympics, but more importantly, the 4th of July. Oh, I have that patriotic okay. spirit. Right. I picked one of these up for myself. It comes in 22 limited edition sport loop bands with colorful designs that represent those nations across the globe. Now, have you taken a look at these and have you ordered one for your... So, yes, I've taken a look at them. I I went to order one and I forgot I need to order the USA one. I talked about this in a video a few days ago, and some people in the comments of that video said that the there's all of these, but no USA band. And I'm just like, so I went back and looked, I'm like, there's a mm-hmm. USA band. What do you mean? It's right. So I'm like, it's yeah. Okay. Well, whatever. But uh, yeah, I'll be getting one. I won't buy all of them. I'm not going to do that for a video or anything. Maybe I should, but I'm not going to do that for a video. Do you think there's YouTubers out there that will? Unbox therapy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> all 22 bands. Luke. Right. Or maybe they'll send them to Marquez. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But now they, I, think i'll get the usa one i mean any country if you want to do that'd be great and i need to order it right after this so (laughs) i'll do that i i think they're classy i i ordered mine uh mine's supposed to come tomorrow i don't know when the people will be watching this likely monday but when i say tomorrow i mean july 2nd i'm really excited for mine i think it's cool it's classy and like i said perfect for the fourth of july if you're in the u.s and perfect for the olympics if you're anywhere across the globe yeah really classy yeah it was great to see all the comments of people saying they were going to order them in what country they were from whether that be netherlands russia whatever something to show the spirit 
Right. Yep. That's, that's great. What the kids want these days. <laughs> yes. Something to show the spirit. You know, the they ought to make yeah. a supreme then. Wow. That'll make them happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they can partner <laughs> with <that>. collaboration. <laughs> so earlier this month, Tim Cook had an announcement to employees. He had a memo where he said, Apple's going to adopt a hybrid work plan. Now that means later this year, there's certain people that are essential. They need to be, that is, they need to be on campus. Mm -hmm. And there's other people that can continue to work virtually. Now, there was some backlash from employees on that saying, why can't we submit a claim to, to continue to work virtually? Everybody assumes mm -hmm. that these employees in particular, this group or this number want to return. A lot of us are working more efficiently, becoming more productive from home. We'd like to continue to work from home. And so they wrote, they penned a letter back to Cook and said, we should be able to do remote work if we, you know, so decide to do so. Mm -hmm. And in an internal video that was obtained by The Verge, Apple's senior VP of retail and people, Deidre O'Brien, mm -hmm. she was recently with Cook at the Tower Theater opening, the Apple store in Los Angeles. They obtained a video of her and she says, quote, if we take a moment to reflect on our unbelievable product launches this past year, the products and the launch execution were built upon the base of years of work that we did when we were all together in person. That is to say, in-person collaboration is essential to our culture and our future, end quote. So they're receiving backlash again for this. So they're saying these people in particular that have been asked to return later this year have to return that we can't have everybody working remote. And so Apple employees sent another letter to Cook and they said, quote, now Apple is essentially denying that request saying any remote work decisions will be made, quote, on a case by case basis with new remote positions requiring executive approval. Now this is kind of what they wanted. They wanted a case by case thing where it could be approved. You could ask if you, hey, can I continue to work from home? But the fact that it's on an executive approval thing, do you think that's a bit much? Well, so I'm a bit torn by this because I've always been a big uh, proponent of working from home <laughs> before mm -hmm. I did this full time. But the way Apple works, they're built around that collaboration. So mm -hmm. if you look at uh, Steve Jobs, well, the new Apple Park campus, it's built around collaboration. The whole idea is everyone will interact. The same with Pixar that Steve Jobs built, that whole mm -hmm. building, same thing. The whole idea it's, that it's, it's a circle. So the designers run into the software engineers when they have to go to the bathroom or something you know, right. to, or to eat or whatever it may be. The idea that it's a circle, that's why. Right. And so any of those things that Steve Jobs has worked on typically uh, result in those sorts of collaboration where you get good ideas. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're at home and you're managing servers, that's where you, it depends what you do. So if you're writing documentation for something that doesn't necessarily need collaboration where designers, I would imagine need that collaboration where they mm -hmm. can work together, talk together and person. And I know it's convenient to be at home. I've, I've done that. So I've had remote jobs and I've had jobs in, in the workplace and it's nice to have that option, but the, but again, you don't have the collaboration. I tend to think that if you're at home, you're, if you're, enjoying what you're doing, you're probably more likely to do a better job in some cases because you need to prove yourself more because mm -hmm. you're not in the workplace instead of you're just wasting eight hours a day or whatever 
about your work there. So it really, I do think it's more of a case by case basis, depending on what the job is. So if you're a designer, sure. I think you need to be together. I don't know if you need to be together all the time, mm-hmm. but it definitely would help. Just maybe you go back, design a new iMac. We'll all get back together on Wednesday. Maybe who knows? Yeah. I don't know how they just work. Just design the new iMac. Just right. and throw something together. Right. You design one, we'll all come together, see what it looks like, and then we'll go from there. I don't know how they, they want to do that. So I don't know how they work internally that way. But it seems like them in Apple in particular, I, I think that's probably quite important for how they operate. It's I, I think it's a, a key pillar for them, a key characteristic why their products are so innovative is you do have that deep personal interaction where people are. I mean, the whole campus is built around people running into each other the right teams now microsoft i think is letting people work from home forever yes and google and facebook are working but they're more work from home indefinitely and they're less about design and how things feel and work together they're more about the back end of ai or whatever they're working on next so ai we've been hearing ai for (laughs) a decade we have <laughs> the future of AI and it's like still Siri can't still can't understand context right <laughs> that's, oh, that's okay a privacy the- now we have some stats from counterpoint research now they're talking iPhone 12 sales and they're basically saying that the iPhone 12 represents another major super cycle as far as iPhones go and they're comparing it to the iPhone 6 so iPhone 12 sales crossed the 100 million unit mark in April 2021. Now that's two months earlier than the iPhone 11 and pretty much in line with what we saw with the iPhone 6. And iPhone 6 is considered one of the best selling smartphones of all time. So this for the iPhone 12 to reach this 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 milestone is pretty huge and, and they call it a super cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny because people like me and you that do tend to upgrade every year. We're we're seeing the innovation. We're realizing these changes, appreciating the changes that are being made every year and really taking advantage of all these core technologies. But what I see just in the community as a whole, outside our little microcosm of just tech people and tech journalism, is people will hold off years and years, sometimes four to six years, just until they a dramatic redesign, until they redesign it. And and this, we talked about the iPhone 4 and 4S really have a special place in people's heart because it, it, it was it's that industrial design, something that felt so premium, so like, like jewelry in your hand, we said. And this is kind of hearkening back to that. The iPhone 12 design brings back that box-like industrial feel. It feels really cool in the hand. And I attribute this almost entirely to just new designs. People will hold out until they change the way it looks. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think the same exact thing. So if you have a design that's, well, what is it, four four models old? Seven, mm-hmm. yeah, six, six, seven, eight. Because, I mean, if you're a nerd and fanatic about this like me and you are, of course the iPhone 11 was a new design compared to the 10 or something. But is oh those are the, that's the same corner radius all by next year they, it feels different though i think mm-hmm. is the thing it's not it just has a different feel in the hand as opposed to the rounded corners are nice they have a certain 
if you just pick up an 11 pro max and then pick up a 12 there's just a very different feel to them mm-hmm. both are fine they both do a work well but one just feels different now some people have said they prefer the rounded corners to me other people prefer the square i prefer the squared off corners just depends on what you like so i think we'll see this cycle for you know the next few years and then another super cycle happen and they'll unless they come up with something completely different this one's interesting to me because holding a a boxy piece of technology it, it somehow it makes it feel more premium. I don't know if that's because it's an iPhone 4 thing and that changed that phone changed the industry and so we associate it with that. Oh, this must be innovative because it feels boxy. It feels industrial. It feels cutting edge. I don't know right. if it's that, but to me, I've always felt like, okay, boxy feels more premium, but rounders and curve ground round, <clears throat> but curves feel more ergonomic. Yeah, there's definitely truth to that. The curves, I, so I think the boxy feel has a rigidity or solid mm-hmm. feel to it, but and it's easier to hang on to, at least for me anyway. But the curved edges have that nice feel to it where mm-hmm. it's everything smooth and there's definitely that. And, it, and it, this also matters more if you have a form-fitting case or you don't use a case or so it just depends these are things a lot of people don't care about honestly mm-hmm. and i i do but a lot of people don't care about and i like the boxy corners and the just that's something i prefer it's easier to pick up off the table even compared to like an 11 pro max there that was always if it's face down if you pick one of those up it's if you don't have a case on it it's harder than you think <laughs> for some yeah. people so it's the same sort of thing. When we saw a lot of people buying the the box-shaped cases for older iPhones just to have that feel, putting the box-shaped cases on an 11 or 6S or whatever, on that whole range, like you said, it all comes down to personal preference. But mm-hmm. I think overall, people can agree that the rounder, curvier edges are more ergonomic, more comfortable to hold, but boxier design just feels easier to grip and it feels more premium inherently. Right. For whatever reason. Right. Now, a man was sentenced to prison for spending the bank's money on four apartments, two cars, and one iPhone. Now, this is a crazy So, if you woke up and you saw an extra $1.3 million in your bank account, what would you do? Would you spend it all in one shot or would you call the bank and say, I think there's been an error? I'd figure out what the law is around that, I think. <laughs> and then make your decision. <laughs> But I didn't I mean, know. I thought it was a bonus. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely not spend it. I would because <laughs> I know they have a grace period of mistakes and things like that. And plus, I didn't earn that money. So, as much as I would want to go buy something, I, I some other car, a house, or whatever, I would. I just wouldn't <laughs> do it. I couldn't do it as much as I'd same, like to. Same here. Now, Newsweek is reporting on this story. The guy's name is Roman Yurkov. He discovered okay. an extra $1.3 million in his bank account due to a technical error. Now, he's a 35-year-old car salesman. And in mm. taking advantage of this error, he purchased a few things on May 31st, 2020. On one day, he did this. He bought a new okay. BMW, uh, a Mercedes, an iPhone oh. 12 Pro Max, uh, a couple <laughs> of other things, four apartments. He got a great deal, I guess. I don't know where he lives, but... <laughs> By the time he was arrested, the bank got its hands back on the cash and only 540000 was left out of the $1.3 million. 
So in one day, he, he spent nearly half of it. Yeah. That's a lot. He was trying to do it quick, I guess, thinking they couldn't get it back. I don't know. He was found guilty. He could be facing several years in prison for this. And by the time he gets released, iPhone 18 will be out. So. Oh, jeez. <laughs> now, thanks to Taylor Hall for covering this story over on 9to5Mac. That's this week in Apple Crime. Now, Aaron, where can the people find you online? Uh, they can find me on YouTube. Just look for Zolotech or it's just youtube.com slash Zolotech on Twitter, Zolotech on Instagram is the only place where it's my name. Although if you look for Zolotech, I'm there, but it's just Aaron mm -hmm. Zolo. And you can find me over on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Bromshank. It's just my name, B-R-A-H-M-S-H-A-N-K. Go ahead and follow Appleosophy on Instagram and Twitter. That's just Appleosophy. Go ahead and type it in, follow us. It'll be down in the show notes as well. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a blast. We look forward to having you on again in the future. Thanks for watching, everybody. We'll see you again next week.